We measure success by whether we've helped our authors reach their goals for the book. That's one of our core measures of success. So do we think we can do what's required? And then we have very focused, strategic conversations with them throughout our process. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello, and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today's guest, Trina White is going to share with us about her publishing company and some of the unique and innovative things that she and her team are doing for authors. Now, Trina is a veteran book publisher and co-founder of this innovative book publishing firm called Page Two. And Page Two publishes nonfiction books by leading experts And they've published, now listen to this, people, they've published several books selling over a million copies and that have had books translated into dozens of languages around the world. Now, Trina and her co-founder just celebrated their 10-year anniversary with Page Two, and they have been shortlisted for the RBC Women of Influence Award for being trailblazers in their field. Now, Before launching Page Two, Trina was publisher of Douglas and McIntyre and Greystone Books, which was Canada's largest independent book publisher at the time. And she was an editor at McKelland and Stewart, which is now an imprint of Penguin Random House. She's also an adjunct professor in publishing at Simon Fraser University. And I actually reached out to Trina. So a lot of our guests come to us looking to see if we would have them on. I found Trina, I found page two, and I was just beyond curious about what she and her team are doing because her approach is very innovative and the kinds of things that they do for authors, I found also very interesting and exciting. So I'm not going to give you any spoilers. You're just going to have to listen and find out what I mean. Enjoy. Trina, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thank you, Robin. Great to be here. Well, I am so excited to have you here. I'm always keeping my eyes open for innovative publishers and powerful independent presses. As you know, the publishing industry kind of gone. There's fewer and fewer big fish who have swallowed all the little fish. (laughs) Yes, it's true. When I started in publishing in the 80s, there was the Seven Sisters, then it was the Big Six, then it was the Big Five, maybe on the precipice of a, of a Big Four, or maybe not, probably one day. So, I mean, this is really, and there's so many imprints under all these publishers, but they're still under these big conglomerate houses. Mm-hmm. And so I would love if we could just kick off with you sharing with our listeners, because I know from a little bit of reading I've done, you've got some interesting things to say and how you're doing things. But I'd love to just have you share a little bit about what 
made you make the transition from the traditional world to creating your own? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So my company, Page Two, has been in business now for a decade. We're celebrating 10 years this October. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And my co-founder, Jesse Finkelstein, and I met in traditional publishing. We worked together, what was at the time Canada's largest independent publisher. And what happened really was that we felt that we loved publishing. We are book publishing, you know, lifers, industry we'd never want to leave. But we were starting to feel that the model we were working in didn't serve entrepreneurs and leading subject matter experts in the way that we thought they could be supported. And we started to imagine a different kind of publishing company and one where the author really had a lot more say in how their books were developed in tandem with all of the other products and services that they offer as entrepreneurs and experts. So it was really about imagining a different kind of partnership with an author than what we had been working with. Yeah. So say a little bit more about what you felt was missing in the author-publisher relationship. There were several things, and this isn't to disparage other publishers at all. It's just for a very particular kind of person who has developed their IP for a long time and wants is building it in all kinds of ways, like speaking, keynote speeches, Mm -hmm. running training programs, running online training. They may have workbooks. They may be doing all kinds of things in addition to writing and publishing books. Mm -hmm. And what we felt was that publishing contracts are quite restrictive and too restrictive for people who may want to get creative with their book content and to use it for different ways. You know, I'll Um, just share a quick anecdote just mm -hmm. to really plus what you're saying, because I had a a client who had a successful online business Mm -hmm. and they were offered, they received multiple, I helped them do a proposal, get an agent with a top agency. They received multiple offers their best offer was around 250000 And there was this little line in the contract that basically would give the publisher the rights also to like any content that was also yeah. in the book, which meant that this client's $2 million a year business would have been in jeopardy. And I advised them that either that had to be negotiated away or to walk away from the deal. And they ended up walking away from the deal. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of situation we were looking to address. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of our very first authors at page two, 10 years ago, was somebody I had worked with at a company that's now part of Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. So I was his editor at this traditional publishing company. And he came to us after we had launched page two and he said, oh my God, Trina, I don't know what to do. I have my contract with them for my second book and they've just put it on pause. I think there was some editorial shakeup happening at the time. I don't know what to do because the book is totally integral to my speaking, to my business, to everything else I'm doing. And so that's another example of an author just feeling a bit 
disenfranchised. So we ended up working with him and publishing his book and it did become a bestseller and it did well for him. So it, it was that. And it was also authors wanting to have a say in the way their books were developed so that they would be developed in a way that was reflective of their brand identities as business owners and entrepreneurs as well. So really wanting to create books that stood on their own, but also where we were thinking about the bigger ecosystem of the author's business and how the book fit into it and not just about bookstore sales. Yeah, that's a really powerful shift. Now, do you also participate in those other aspects financially as the publisher or is it more just how you help set it up with the author? Yeah. So the way we work is that we quote on the services that we're going to be providing for an author. So it's a work for hire arrangement. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, when their books sell, the author earns the majority of the proceeds of the sales. So they earn 90% of the net receipts that we get paid after the retailers and distributors have taken their share. Mm -hmm. So it's almost self-publishing earnings, but they have this team of publishing professionals working with them, top-notch editors and designers and full distribution, just collaborating with them as a partner and on this fee-for-service basis. Oh, great. Okay. So I just want to clarify something for our listeners too, because um, you say on your website, that you've published several books selling over a million copies. Mm -hmm. This is not small numbers. We don't often hear of those kinds of sales, even with the traditional presses. So tell us a little bit more about how does that happen in your world, Trina? (laughs) Yeah. So just to, to name a few of those, one of them is The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier, which is a book that we published about six years ago and is now over a million copies. Another is a book called Exactly What to Say by a sales trainer named Phil Jones. And, and they've sold a million copies both through the book trade, you know, through Amazon and BNN and airport stores and all the places you people buy books plus their digital formats, the audiobooks and ebooks. And then a lot of our authors, because of the work they do, they have a lot of direct sales potential. Mm -hmm. So both of those authors are trainers. Michael Bungay Stanier was the founder of a company called Box of Crayons. And so they built the book into their businesses and sold them to their corporate clients as well, which is can be quite lucrative in our model, given the royalty share that they get. I was going to yeah. say that it's a lot more lucrative to do it in your model than in a traditional house where they'll just get a couple dollars per book, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I know it is not a small, it's no small thing. It's just the way that these authors have built the book into their business and they market it relentlessly over years and years and years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people often come to us saying, I want to do what they did. How do I become the next Michael Bungie Stanier and Phil Jones? And it's obviously extremely hard work and they're very smart books and they've thought about this as a very long-term strategic plan for them and their businesses. I mean, I would imagine when those guys came to you, they were 
probably came to you. They were probably eligible for a traditional book deal. They were probably, or were they not? Yes, they were. In fact, Michael had been working with Workman for his previous Mm -hmm. book. So he had written several books before Mm -hmm. and then felt that he wanted to try doing it a different way where he had more input throughout the entire process. And that book became The Coaching Habit. And then Phil Jones had self-published before. And so he was coming from the other end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. and felt that he wanted to work with professionals who could help him really up his publishing game and make the book the best it possibly could be and then give him wide market access through our sales and distribution channels. And that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about because, like I said, I'm always keeping my eyes peeled for the different ways that people can publish. I personally have always believed it should be a strategic decision, uh, who you publish with, where and how, and you've got to get all your ego preconceptions of what you cannot have out of Mm -hmm. the way and just look at it strategically. But something that really stood out to me, Trina, about you and your team is your sales team. Because everybody says, oh, yeah, and we'll get you distribution. I'm making quote signs to your listeners. We'll get you distribution in bookstores. Often they charge quite a premium for that distribution, which I have had reported back to me is usually just filling out a form and listing them with Ingram, which is a a book distributor. And I want to make it clear to our listeners, that's not getting you distribution. You can fill out your own form with Ingram for nothing. So would you kindly share with our listener and with me, because I'm absolutely, this really jumped out at me when I was reading about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your sales and distribution channels and what you all are doing? Yeah, well, we are definitely very unusual in the lands publishing landscape for our sales and distribution. We actually have two different paths to market for authors. And one we call page two direct, which is harnessing those self-publishing tools like Ingram Spark and KDP, Amazon self-publishing platforms. So making beautiful books and then setting the authors up with those accounts and selling them that way, mm-hmm. which does make sense in some cases. Right. Sure. And then the other way we sell books, we call page two extended. And that is full brick and mortar and online sales and distribution. And the way that works is we have two distribution partners. One is called Macmillan, which is one of the big five publishers, as you know, but for your listeners sake, they are one of the big five publishers and they take on select independent publishers for sales and distribution representation. So they sell our books and they have 130 sales reps, Mm -hmm. mostly in New York, but in other territories in the world as well. And so they sell our books on our behalf, soliciting orders from independents and libraries and chains and Amazon and so on, wholesalers. 
And then in Canada, we have an equivalent called Rain Coast Books. And because we're actually based in Canada, the Canadian market was important to us. We didn't want somebody to just be selling, distributing the books passively in, but wanted a very serious local sales team. So we have these two sales teams that go out and meet with their accounts at retailers around the world and solicit orders on behalf of us and our authors. And so... That's very much the traditional publishing model. Yeah, yeah. So we have these two different paths. One is more like self-publishing and one is more like traditional publishing. And coming back to your point about making strategic decisions, that's exactly why we have these two streams because we believe passionately that there isn't just one path to publishing for everybody. And you really do need to think about what your goals as an author are who your target reader is for the book, where you're going to find them and be pragmatic about it for a very niche author, somebody writing on quite a niche subject or somebody who really is just in the early days of building their platform, something like page two direct where you're selling your book primarily online as a print on demand book and ebook may actually make sense. Well, and also probably for someone who primarily sells books through speaking engagements, because they're selling direct to the consumer, and there's no reason to introduce a middleman there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And or bulk buys to corporation bulk sales to corporations, maybe would be another, like I'm guessing your second client that you mentioned, who sold over a million. Yeah, he's really mastered doing bulk sales of his book to his speaking clients. Right. And you're so right what you said earlier about there are a lot of companies that just charge a giant fee to get into the market. And in fact, one of our own authors who published a book last year through page two direct, so selling the book online, which we recommended because he really did not have much of a platform or public profile at that point. And it was COVID and it was the kind of book that was going to be bought online. He came to me recently and said, this other company has just offered me American distribution and brick and mortar stores all over the place. And I'm thinking of doing it. It's going to be $30,000. And I said, okay, first of all, just to remind you, we can do that. And also... I said, those books will get returned unless there's a massive marketing campaign to support it. So don't get seduced by this idea that you're going to be everywhere. That's just simply false, right? Like what is the robust marketing and sales plan that's going to support this undertaking? Yeah. And even then, I think the question of how to sell books, right? If there was a foolproof formula, then publishers would always be producing books that earn out their advance and everybody would be happy. That's right. (laughs) But there's a lot of factors that uh, go into play. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes from what I've observed that people make is quitting too soon. Yes. Right. And I completely agree with that. Well, go ahead and say more about that because I think this is worth uh, exploring. Well, that's just it. It's the, idea which used to be accurate and helpful that you have a big maybe three month launch period and then the book is out and it has momentum and you're on your way and you can move on to other things that used to work years ago but 
now with most people buying their books online, that is really not an effective marketing approach. And you have to be thinking about what is the plan for the next year for the book or two years? Yeah. Especially we know that now 70% of books sold are backlist books. So books that are older than a year. So, and that's because of this long tail effect that Amazon and other online retailers have created. So you really have to be thinking very long term which might be daunting for authors, but I also think is liberating in a way because it takes the pressure off that initial launch to some extent. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake you can make is bring this up in connection with this $30,000 to have the quote unquote uh, distribution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I'm pretty sure that doesn't cover a year of promoting your book or helping you to promote your book. No, and of course not. No. Really, it's always going to come down to the author. I'm a New York Times bestseller list geek. So I like to see who's on and, and pay attention to how long they're on and look at how many syllables are in the titles and all kinds of <laughs> like this is where I totally geek out. I love it. <laughs> Our sales director does the same thing and we all geek out on it a right, little right. bit. <laughs> can't, can't help it. But something I have noticed is if you look at the ones that have been on for years, maybe on now, but some of the things that come to mind are The Road Less Traveled, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Five Love Languages, You Are a Badass. Ask the authors how long they promoted those books. And I guarantee you, it was at least a year. Oh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that they've promoted consistently for, I think Jack Canfield said, 14 months before they hit the New York Times bestseller list, he and Mark Hansen, Mark Victor Hansen, promoted that book every day yeah, for 14 months without fail. That's and, right. And that was a long time ago. It used to work better, but I don't think <laughs> that it does now to promote a book just for three months and call it good. But I don't, think you ever really see anybody achieve greatness with those sales unless they're already a brand name author or promoting the heck out of it. I think that's true. It's not going to just, people don't just magically appear on those major bestseller lists. It is extremely hard work. The writing, of course, because you need a brilliant book that people actually want to buy in volume like that and that they talk about with their friends and recommend, Mm -hmm. but then the marketing That is tough to ask of an author, right? To be skillful at both of those things, Mm -hmm. plus their running businesses and so on. Yeah. I think too, with the bestseller list, we like to ask our authors, sometimes people come to us saying, I really want to be on the Wall Street Journal list or the New York Times bestseller list. And then we like to dig into that. So, (laughs) okay, what is it about that is important to you? What does your platform look like to get on the New York Times list? We're talking, we'll have to sell probably at least 10,000 copies within one week. Do you have the audience that's going to come to the book in that way? And and what are you hoping it will do for you as well? Because I think sometimes it's just a big, beautiful dream. But sometimes there are other ways of achieving those dreams. Yeah. And not everybody can be on the list. And the New York Times is an interesting 
list. It's the only one that you can't game buying books or selling books in bulk and having them scanned individually or all the other ways you can game the system. The New York Times has an interesting failsafe, which is it comes down to the editorial decision. It is very much. And it doesn't always exactly reflect which books sold the most that week. And in fact, it often doesn't. (laughs) Well, this is one of the things we like to look at because we have had several books outsell books that are on the list right and, and not and not get on the list See, we we both and, have firsthand knowledge of this <laughs> yeah and and it is absolutely curated and i think a lot of people don't realize that and they very rarely include prescriptive books so you gave some great examples rich dad poor dad five love languages those kinds of books typically are overlooked by that list but i think at a certain point, if a book is just selling and selling and exactly. selling, they almost, they can't ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I've seen that too, where in the initial weeks, a book outperformed books that were on the list and it didn't make it on right away, but it did make it on eventually. And so it's understandable too, I think, because when people are doing these programs that game the system, that first week they might sell apparently sell 20,000 copies and then all the sales disappear and the book falls plummets off the, you know, it doesn't just go off the top 10. It it goes completely off the list. And the New York times is not having that, which I actually am glad that there's at least one list that you really have to prove on multiple levels that you belong there. I hear what you're saying. And that also is something that we like to clarify with people. You can game the system, but what are you really going to get out of that? Other than being able to say you're a New York Times bestselling author, whatever it might be, because you're right. In week two, those books plummet. (laughs) And yeah, so they don't actually have this snowball getting on the list doesn't have this snowball effect where suddenly you're in front of millions of people and selling so many more books that isn't really how they play out yeah i think the bragging rights for being usa today journal bestseller i mean it has some cachet i think it's going to go the way of the amazon bestseller which is an eye roll at this point Yeah, <laughs> because, because it's so easy to be an Amazon bestseller. But, you know, but to be on this journal or the USA Today, it's a substantial investment often for these authors to, to game this in that way. The and then, you, yeah. you know, is it really worth, I mean, maybe it is to some, but anyway, we went down another area, but I think it's worth talking oh. about openly because when people are new to this whole process, it can be so confusing to know what to do. And there's a lot of people giving advice for different reasons. So tell me more about the conversation you have with your authors about strategy and, Mm. and how you advise them. The whole, our whole process starts with conversation with my co-founder, Jesse or me. And the purpose of that conversation is to really evaluate where is the author at in their thinking? Is this a book idea that really can fill a gap in the market? 
Is it unique? Do they have the platform to do this well? Do they have the vision? And all of those kinds of things. And we actually have a fairly detailed intake form on our website that helps to drill down into that. Like, mm. what is your elevator pitch for this book? To see how solid the oh. idea really is yeah, that's and terrific. how well developed. Yeah. And, and then we get into a phone call and really talk it out further with the author. We like to understand what they're primary goals are for the book? Who is their target audience? What are they hoping the book will do for them and their business and their readers? And so that really is the beginning of the strategic conversation. It's okay, so how are we going to sell this book? What kind of marketing support do you already have? Where are the gaps? What would it take to help them achieve their goals for the book? Because really, we measure success by whether we've helped our authors reach their goals for the book. That's one of our core measures of success. So do we think we can do what's required? And then we have very focused strategic conversations with them throughout our process. Mm. So our authors each have a team of people at page two. We come together with them at the very beginning for a kickoff meeting. And then their project manager brings together key team members throughout the process. So they would have a marketing kickoff and strategic planning meeting with somebody from our marketing team. They have a sales and distribution strategic conversation, a design and branding one. So that's a very key part of the process. We're developing a strategy with them as we go for different parts of the process. I love that. I've just never heard of a publisher wanting to have an in-depth conversation with their author about their goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying anything against publishers. They're, they do a lot of wonderful things, but, but I've never oh. heard that. <laughs> exactly. And this is exactly what Jesse and I set out to do is to <laughs> figure out, well, how can we support them better in building a book that's going to work for them and their business? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Let me go to my signature final question because who knows, maybe that'll kick off something even more. But my signature final question Trina, is what have I not asked you that you would love to answer? That is a great question. I guess, what is it like being, we're a women-owned and oh, run company, right? So yes. we're two female founders, which is unusual in most industries and definitely in book publishing. And it's something we're really proud of, just that we've made it 10 years in business. We've completely bootstrapped the company with no outside financial support oh. and built it from being just the two of us to having a team of 20, 20 employees plus our big sales teams of 130 people and a number of contractors. And so I guess what would I love to say about that? It's just for us, relationships and partnership really are everything. And the partnership that Jesse and I started the company with has really set the tone for the way we work with authors and with team members and our external partners too. And it's just something we're very proud of. Yeah. And I mean, publishing is an interesting industry because there's definitely more women working in publishing than 
probably most professional fields, but there's very few women in the top leadership positions. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And we didn't set out to correct that or anything, Mm -hmm. but I do feel another unusual feature of page two. And in many ways, I think has defined our company culture. Do you recall any specific challenges that you felt were maybe unique to having two women founders? I don't know that there are any different. I think because we had worked in the book publishing industry before, we had a lot of relationships in the industry. Mm -hmm. So we knew we had relationships with distributors, which is how we got Macmillan and Raincoast. We had relationships with printers, with production people. We had just so many relationships that we nurtured genuinely during our time in the industry that I don't feel like it's been a particular challenge. It's just, Mm. we had a soft landing and a very supportive community within the publishing world when we started the company. And that's just grown over time. Well, maybe the fact that you were so good at nurturing your relationships, maybe you had an advantage as two women founders. (laughs) That's I love that perspective. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) So anything else that I missed, anything else that you're offering or that you want people to know about? I think people can go read more about us on page2.com and see our work there and the kinds of authors we support. And we're on LinkedIn and Instagram and all the places. We're just a full scale book publishing company, working with authors right from the very beginning of coming up with their concept through launch and beyond. And always looking for exciting new projects. Fantastic. Well, Trina, this is really fun and informative. And I hope that this episode will help our listeners navigate these uncharted waters of publishing. I'm sure that I know that there's a lot in here that will help them do so. So thank you again for being with us on the Author's Corner. Thanks so much for having me, Robin. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.